Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Ready, 104.5 FM. At AM 930, it's great to have you with us another Monday evening where we have the opportunity to reflect into our call to witness to our Catholic and Christian faith. If you are a faithful listener, you know that from one week to the next, each and every Monday, we have a different guest. And what we do is we, we kind of shoot for reaching uh, into different backgrounds uh, so that we might have a new conversation each and every Monday as it relates to this topic of witness. And so this Monday, this evening, I am most excited because I have my brother in town, uh, Mark, who is uh, with us tonight. And we are going to focus in on this topic of witness, certainly as it relates to ministry and youth ministry, as he is a, a youth minister uh, out in Minnesota in the Diocese of Crookston. He's been a youth minister there for uh, the cathedral there for 10 years, and I know he's been in collective ministry for 16 to 17 years. Uh, Mark was on the national evangelization team for a couple of years. He spent one whole year in Canada ministering to the youth. So, Mark, it is great to have you with me this evening. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. So, Mark, we talk about our call to witness to our faith, and certainly you um, have a background and you come to us in this studio with a lot to share, um, certainly not only from your personal experience and what you've learned, but also your, your understanding of the faith as it comes to this call to witness. So what I thought we could do is just really jump right into it. Maybe you can talk a little more about your background and what you do and how you see the importance of witnessing to our faith. Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, being in youth ministry, being in parish youth ministry, I've been in parish youth ministry for 16 years, going into 17. And, uh, and again, you said collectively. Collectively, you could say I've been in youth ministry for 20 years now, which is a little bit surreal. In that time, I'm often asked the question, what would you say, you know, if you can give me any advice, what would you say? And the thought that keeps coming to mind for me as I just continue to learn is witness one out of who you are, out of that sonship, a witness out of the vocation that you're in, not one that you would hope to be. In other words, uh, witness out of the reality in the moment where you're at. For me, what does this mean? And something I've come to learn, what I feel the need to witness to, this being the word that we're operating out of, is to witness the faith out of my vocation as a married man, as a husband and as a father. So in parishes ministry, a lot of times I speak with youth ministers, you know, of course, Whatever their job description is, there's, you know, there's so many we call slashers. Yeah, it's youth minister slash bookkeeper slash secretary yeah. slash, you know, <laughs> yeah. all over the map with what they're doing. They're, they're running the parish, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what happens is we get caught up in ministering to the youth. What needs to happen? You know, wow, that, that must require a lot of time away from family. And yes, at times it's going to require time away from family. But when I hear that is, you know, not as much as you would think. And then often... The, the feedback or the conversation develops into, well, maybe you're not doing enough for the young people. The most important task I could bring as a youth minister to a young person is the witness out of my married life, period. My mm -hmm. marriage and family life. Amen. 
So Amen. maybe I shouldn't say period after I said marriage. <laughs> 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 marriage and family life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and by that, yeah, yes, there's teenagers hurting. Uh, yes, there's teenagers who need people to be immersed by people, to, to be taught what fellowship can look like. What does a Catholic brother and sister in the faith look like? You know, how can a guy and a girl inter- interact with each other without feeling like, oh, I feel attracted. That means I need to act on this. All those things, so much these drinking, drugs, sex, wrong, all those things we know are out there where the evil one is more than happy to just put the care in front of the carriage mm-hmm. and lead them astray. So many things. What do I do as youth minister? What do I have to offer? I have the vocation of holiness to offer by virtue of witnessing, by striving for it myself. Does that mean am I holy? No. But I strive for holiness simply because that is the call Christ puts before us. It's what he has invited us into as his son, or for those listening, son, daughter. But for me, as a youth minister, witnessing the most impactful thing I can offer a young person is the joy and love I'm going to encounter in Christ in and through my marriage. How am I going to be present to my wife? How do I learn from my wife to be a better husband? How do I learn from my wife to be a better dad? To witness to that. To not, uh, to not shy away from letting teenagers see that I'm going to spend time with my kids. To tell teenagers, you know, they call me late at night. 10, 10, 30. Mark, do you have a chance to talk? Tell you what, uh, a better time for me to talk would be tomorrow. I'm, I need to get my kids to bed. And you know what, Joe? Teenagers get that. Mm-hmm. they get mm-hmm. that they understand that yes sometimes they might have an issue of i, I wish i had that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i don't and granted there are some more extreme issues that may need to be dealt with in the moment we've, we've run into but generally teenagers respect that a great deal and they don't forget it yeah yeah <clears throat> what i hear you saying right now mark is is in many ways what we've been talking about in the last three weeks i've had uh, three different women on with me who have talked about of the various stages of motherhood and really the essence of all three of those programs were the primacy of the sacramental life, certainly as wife, but focusing on motherhood and, uh, and how really everything that we have to offer the world starts with our yes in the home. And you talk about the witness to holiness. It is a very powerful witness to just not young people, but all people to see a man who is striving for holiness, who embraces his vocation as both a husband and father. And he does so with humility and joy because that really is the great evangelizer. It's been a point we've been making a lot on this radio program that when we are living out our sonship in Christ, when we are living out our faith in that uh, sacramental vocation that God has given us, then what is going to overflow from that sense of living out our vocation is joy. And that is what evangelizes the heart, young and old. Certainly the youth, uh, certainly the youth are in need of this. As you are a youth minister, the youth need joy. So many youth today live in despair. They're confused. They need joy. They need hope. They need a reason to wake up in the morning, Mark. And what more can you give them than uh, for them to see you love your wife and your kids as you do. And I, I have to say something, you know, when we talk about youth, there is this tendency to be drawn to the bells and whistles. There's this tendency to be drawn to the lights. There's this tendency to be drawn to the paparazzi culture. Is this just youth? No. I mean, it's, in many ways, it's human nature. We are, yeah, we are drawn to feed our sense appetite. And I cannot help but think of a story as we're talking about this, 
um, especially as, Mark, you have brought up the importance of uh, embracing the marital vocation as a way you witness to uh, the youth. Uh, this past Sunday in the Holcraft household, the Chico Holcraft household, <laughs> if you will. Joe's Holcraft, yeah. <laughs> um, there was a brief exchange of words that went something like this. Isaac, my th- three-year-old son, while looking at a picture of Mary kissing the feet of uh, the crucified Jesus, says to my wife, uh, actually asks my wife, <laughs> he dead? And my wife responds, yeah, that is Mary uh, kissing his feet. And then my three-year-old son says, in only a way a three-year-old can, oh, because Jesus has owies? My, my wife, Jackie, says, yeah, you know. And then my seven-year-old daughter chimes in, Mary is not dead, though. She just went to heaven because she is the most amazing mother of all time. And here I am kind of off in the distance hearing this. I could not help but think about the importance of those words. Mary is the most amazing mother of all time. And so, yeah, I got to thinking, what made Mary the most amazing mother of all time? I mean, Mark, when we think of the word amazing, what do we think about? Maybe we think about a Michael Jordan jumping from the free throw line and dunking a ball. Maybe, maybe we think about um, a musician singing a song that you know, touches our heart. And yeah, those things can be very much amazing. But what does Mary teach us? Why is Mary the most amazing mother of all time? Because simply she said yes. No, there is only one event in the life of Mary that makes every other event possible, the Annunciation. And with it, only one word in Scripture, Mark, that makes the New Testament conceivable. Fiat, her yes, her yes. In other words, the most amazing thing, I dare say, in human history happened because tucked away in the least expected place And in the least expected way, a simple virgin from Nazareth responded to an angel with the simplest of words, yes. Now, literally speaking, let it be to me, but the essence of it was yes. So this word amazing, while we often tie it to these great things that have the bells and whistles, what our Christian faith tells us is what is behind it or underneath it is the simple yes. You know, we have that great line from the movie, The Incredibles. And uh, so I have my brother on with me now uh, for all of our listening audience. And it has become a right that when we are together to uh, quote movies and certainly The Incredibles, for many of you out there know, it is one of the most quotable movies. I was struck in particular by a most recent viewing um, when one Mr. Incredible is going through some hard times. He pulls up to the driveway. He gets out of the car. He looks over to this. Uh, bubblegum popping boy and he says to him well what are you waiting for and the little boy says I don't know something amazing I guess yeah he was there to witness something amazing why because this little kid knew that this big guy was something super right then Mr. Incredible is a super he knew that there was something incredible about to happen so he wanted to witness it so he was waiting In different ways, we are all waiting for something amazing to happen in our lives, huh? I mean, the thing of it is, for some of us, we seek the amazing not from within, but from without. 
I mean, we cheer on teams, Mark. We root for championships so we can talk about something amazing. We follow the world of TMZ and want to be like the stars of Hollywood in hoping to, in some cases, become someone amazing. Most of us are fanatics. Remember, the word fan is, is simply short for fanatic, right? We are fanatics about something or someone, a sports team, a superstar, a television show, and so on. Why not be a fanatic for Jesus Christ, huh? Why not be his number one fan? Not all of us, Mark, are called to be a professional athlete or actor, but all of us are called to do something amazing with our lives, and Jesus will help us do just that. We can say, real lives are amazing. You know, we go to, whether it's a professional sports event, game, or... Um, we go in, and my first thought when you said is, you know, why are we going? We want to be amazed. We want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's easy. It doesn't require effort from us for the most part. And yet, what, what I'm appreciating what you're saying, Joe, is we want to be amazed. is because that's getting more to the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. We want to be entertained. We want to be seen. But why? We want to be a little bit starstruck. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our 7 o'clock show, 8 o'clock show, primetime. We know what we're doing on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know, we just had the All-Star Series in Minnesota for baseball. To be entertained, but why? Because we're seeing the best players in the game mm-hmm. coming together. We, we want something more. We want to be, see something happen that just animates within us something more. Mm-hmm. And I say animates with p- particular emphasis. As you transition into, you know, Mary is this amazing woman, this amazing mother, but what animates within her this response the holy spirit you know that really is getting more to the heart of the matter is someone is going to come in and stir in us animate within us life what does the word amazing mean we want to be astonished we want to be astonished and yeah it's as i'm glad you brought that up mark because i think it does bring us back to the heart of the matter this whole idea of the the interior life what is within us you know, so yeah, we, we seek out entertainment, we seek out being amazed, we seek these things out, and okay, all fine and well. But what tonight is about, really, Mark, is drawing back and appreciating the gift of Christianity, the gift of Mary's yes, and what it led to. Mary was stirred within. Yeah, it didn't have the entertainment that we, we have today, but that's the whole idea. This past Sunday, it was all about the hiddenness. What does the Baptist say there in John chapter 3, verse 30? He must increase as I must decrease. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, It is no longer I living, but Christ who, who lives within me. This reality of our life hidden in Christ, from the seeds going deep into the soil so those roots can become firm, to the pearl mark in the oyster over time becoming the pearl that it's called to be, to uh, the woman's yeast slowly taking its effect in the dough so that the, the dough might become the dough it's supposed to be. There is this rich maturation process that has this quality of hiddenness, huh? And it's to remember, you know, as we talk about this hidden quality, you know, Mary, you know, living in anonymity for all intents and purposes, Christ in 30 of his 33 years lived in this anonymity. What we must appreciate is that greatness comes from littleness. What is amazing always comes back to our yes to God. That always is about the Holy Spirit living within us. 
So I'm really glad you brought that up. It even the, the whole idea of um, you know a bearing God within. What does the word enthusiasm mean? You know, entheos to bear God within. You know, our enthusiasm, our robust joy when it is authentic, is because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And I'll tell you something. When we talk about what is amazing in a secular sense, Mark, we talk about it because it is set apart. Not a lot of people are jumping from the free throw line like one Michael Jordan to dunk the ball. The figure LeBron James is in the news right now, huh? Because he just made the the decision to return to Cleveland. There's a big billboard in Cleveland, and there was in the first six, seven years he was there, that it just has his picture, and underneath there is the word witness. The idea there is buy a ticket because you want to you wanna witness greatness. Okay, fine, fair enough. But is that the greatness that our Lord is after in the end? Yeah, if your call is to be a professional basketball player, do it with Christian dig- dignity and nobility. And certainly LeBron James has been showing a lot of integrity lately. But LeBron James, the basketball player, doesn't define him for who he is. Well, and I think... You know what we're after. What we're after is what we're made for. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I think of LeBron James. You know, physically we see him. That brother's made for basketball. <laughs> we see yeah, that. Yeah, we're like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. But we're what are we made for? That that's the physical aspect. And yes, there's going to be an endurance. There's going to be a mental strength for those who are going to seek to excel. But we forget because it's then it becomes easy. Well, that's good for him. You know, and, and it's almost a kind of relativism, but, you know, he, he's great. And that, that's going to be, you know, only some people are able to accomplish that. And we, it's so easy to almost talk ourselves out of, but we are all made for greatness. And Pope mm-hmm. Benedict was reminding us of that, and Pope Francis is reminding us of that over and over again, but with, through a different, whole entire different lens, mm-hmm. the lens of faith, really. Mm-hmm. We're made for greatness, not always as you said, Joe, on the basketball court. Or, but that greatness, it's really, it has its birthplace within us. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's always for everybody. It's going to start somewhere. We forget that, that greatness we're called to has already begun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. And really what could be said here, Mark, is his greatness, that is one LeBron James, certainly can be seen on a basketball court. But the question I pose to you and to all our listeners is, is that his identity? No. No. His identity is that he is a son of God. So while he has been gifted with all of this physical talent, and he makes a lot of sacrifices to be the best basketball player in the world, and we pat him on the back for that, but that is not his identity. And I think this is where the world gets it a little wrong. And where we need to, again, draw back and appreciate the reality of our Christian vocation. We have all been given a gift of some sort. And we go to God so as to ask God how this gift is to mature within us. But it always comes out from that first identity that is our sonship in Christ. That we are sons and daughters in God. Everything else flows out from that. Okay, so a LeBron James as much as he's a great basketball player, he's called to something even greater. Now that may blow some people away. Well, what do you mean? He's been called to be a son of God, which for him on the basketball court is to give everything that he does to God. Just as we, Mark, 
in the vocation that God has entrusted to us, are called to give everything that we are and everything that we do to God. And that's really what we're after, Mark, so that our listening audience might come to appreciate that Mary's yes, while it doesn't have all, again, the the bells and the whistles and that ostentatious showy display, is the greatest measuring sticks for what is amazing, what is great, what is excellent. It's interesting, Paul uses the word excellent, and in the Greek, arete, it is moral strength, moral uprightness. It's really about sacrifice. If we want to be great, if we want to be excellent in any one thing, we have to be willing to make the sacrifices that will allow us to be the best version of whoever God is calling us to be. You know, LeBron James, sticking with the analogy and and the figure, he has made a lot of sacrifices. He has had to be very disciplined to be the best basketball player in the world. Spiritually speaking, we have to all understand that we need to to make those sacrifices that we might be the best Christian, the best son or daughter in God that God is calling us to be. Yeah, if if we're a mechanic, if, if we're an engineer, if we're a teacher, whatever we are, whatever walk of life we walk, we need to do that in God, but it always flows out from our identity in Christ. So important. Today, Mark, I've seen this a lot. There's a tendency to put so much of an emphasis on what the person can do and not on who the person is. It's as if the world is telling us to be a better human being, you have to first be a human doing. When in reality, we are not human doings, but first human beings. We have it backwards. We have inverted uh, the, the essence of what Christianity is about by placing such an emphasis on what we can do. Uh, and certainly this has become to some extent a barometer of our culture today. And when we see that there's at once really a de-emphasis on uh, spirituality and our call to be a child of God. For some people, they can hear that, you know, and they can ask, what, so are you saying, like, what, whatever you do, you know, so you're saying that's bad? Uh, it's a great line, the, the human doing before human being. And I know for myself, just in conversations with people, the emphasis on the doing versus the being. One of the dangers that flows from that, when the priority goes to the doing versus the being, who, who starts to be removed by who we are? Who starts to be removed in our thoughts? When we get caught up in what we do, we start putting more energy into what we do to become more successful. When we start to see the standards change, who admittedly, who is amongst the first to be pushed out? You know, oftentimes if we're married, it could be our spouse, it could be our kids get pushed out. What I'm getting at is who gets pushed out so often in the human doing is God. Mm-hmm. God becomes pushed out because he no longer is the standard. We, we look to other gods, mm-hmm. other forms of standard by whatever it is that we might do, whether it's our work, whether it's our hobby, whatever it is that maybe we do well. It doesn't mean that what we do well cannot be uh, given a, a spirit of thanksgiving or it's good. It's good to do well what we have and what we're able to do. But when God is removed from the picture, what starts to happen with this whole thought of doing versus being, when we try to come back to who God is, if we start to try to look back through the lens of doing versus being, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we become our own God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Yeah, St. <clears throat> John Paul II would talk about Jesus Christ giving us the full vision of man, body and soul. I love that, the full vision of man. So we are not 
the best version of who God is calling us to be if we are emphasizing or overemphasizing the functionality, you know, what we do. We can only understand what we are called to be in light of our faith when we turn to Christ and come to appreciate just not the body or the flesh, but the soul and the spirit, the full vision of man. I wanted to speak briefly, Mark, to one Saint Maximilian Colby, because here you had a man who was an absolute genius. He had the science behind the rocket, okay? We, we, <laughs> we found out from his notes. Saint Maximilian Colby, by the age of 25, had his PhD in philosophy and theology. Inspired by Jesus and Mary, he literally builds his own town, Neopokalanov. He builds, within a matter of years, this printing press, this city that was totally devoted to the message of Jesus Christ. He had, Mark, the largest functioning monastery in the whole world. He had over 700 friars in just his first few years of building Neopokalanov, a town in a city that was devoted to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. What's my point? He said every good thing that comes from Neopokalanov is because of God's goodness. This is a man who had such an influence on all of Europe, he was one of the number one targets of Adolf Hitler himself. Why? Because his doing was always in overflow from his being. They were constantly synchronized with one another. They were constantly in continuity with one another. Everything he did, he did as an, as an inspiration from his prayer. And that's what really lies at the heart of what we're talking about right now. And really collectively, Mark, as we uh, circle back to this word witness, this is foundational to better understanding the importance of how we witness. And yeah, Mark, your call to be youth minister doesn't start with being a youth minister. It, start with, it starts with being a husband and father. And while that may not blow people away, okay, while that might not appear to be amazing, all of your little yeses behind closed doors is where amazing happens. And that's what Mary's yes teaches us. Mark, my daughter, Avila, said Mary is the most amazing mother of all time because simply Mary embraced her amazing within her. Mary teaches us that saying yes to God is where amazing happens. That is the quintessential point of the night. Every time we submit to God's will, our lives become the amazing that people will talk about for future generations. Not in the sense of an incredible feat during a basketball game, but in the admiration of a good that comes out from saying yes to God in everything that we do, everywhere that we are. Mark, we can say that we are in the game of life, huh? <laughs> and the saints are in the heavenly arena cheering us on as Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 2 tells us. So we need to start running with perseverance. The race that is set before us looking to our Lord. And give those who are in the heavenly arena reason to cheer for something amazing. Amen. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation 
but deliver us from evil. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. And God bless you.